Hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we give our takes on all things TV. I'm Jess, and here with me is Jenny. Hello. Today we're checking in on what we've been watching this week, including a deep dive on episodes four through six of Daisy Jones and the Six, and the second half of season four of You. But first, Jenny, I have news for you. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard it yet. Maybe you have. I just saw this morning that they renewed A League of Their Own for no season way. two. Okay, good. But oh, but okay, it'll be the last season, and there will only be four episodes. Interesting. Okay, I don't know how to react to that. Okay, I figured you'd be sad. Uh yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know me. I like have a weird love of TV shows that know when they're like take their time to end when they're supposed to, but this feels weird and rushed. They didn't mean to yeah. end here, I'm fairly certain. Based on, I think it was the showrunner like tweeted basically that he was disappointed. Got it. Yeah, I wonder if the, I wonder what they'll do. I mean, no, at least knowing that this is the last four episodes, hopefully that gives them enough like creativity to do a real arc that is, that feels satisfying is my hope. I don't know, question mark. But yeah, bummer. At least it wasn't just outright canceled like all of the other <laughs> shows that, yeah, had True. LGBTQ characters that we were like, oh my gosh, a lot of representation, and then immediately wiped off the board after season one. I have to wonder if it's not because, well, first of all, I don't know that I like any of Amazon's streaming decisions. Like Amazon as a streaming platform is very questionable to me. When you mean streaming decisions, you mean which shows they shoot, choose to put on there or like how they choose how, to Yeah, produce. how much they spend on various shows, which shows they cancel, which shows they renew, which shows they promote and which they don't. Yeah. Because like the summer I turned pretty, for instance, got so much marketing and promotion mm. and Daisy Jones. And then other shows come out and like nobody's ever even heard of them. There's a show coming out on Friday on Prime called Class of 07. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, but because we run a from TV me, newsletter from me. podcast. Yeah. Okay, um, true. But that, yeah. But have you seen any marketing for it? No, no, but I feel the same way about Apple. Like, it's not just, it seems like... Mm. Yeah, both of them, because they're giant companies that are like, oh, also we have a streaming service. The streaming you know? service is a side project, yeah. So they've got yeah. tons of money to throw at things, but then their marketing departments are focused on other, I don't know. They're like, oh, it doesn't matter, Yeah, it feels like it's just their like vanity side project. They're like, oh yeah, we could throw $250 million to get the rights for Lord of the Rings. Why not? It, why, why not do that? Yeah. I don't know. It feels, um, it makes it feel more tenuous than like, I'm wondering if they're just going to at some point shut down their streaming service and be like, eh, we tried it. Not worth it. Which feels like, what are they going to do with all those shows? I don't know. Interesting. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my news. And otherwise in terms of, I know we're going to talk about Daisy Jones and you, other things I've been watching this week, really just catching up on shows that we've already talked about. Last night, I watched the two most recent episodes of Animal Control because I was a little behind on that. Oh, yeah. Have I'm, you been watching that? I'm not caught up. No. Are there four episodes out total now? There's four now. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I've am i only seen the first two, if I'm being honest. I actually do think it's getting better. Oh, that's like, good. I was scared it was going to get worse, but no, I think it's it's – like finding its groove. I will for real. definitely revisit. It's just one of those shows. Unlike, yeah, I mean, Abbott Elementary is the same. I wind up catching up, but it's not like every week I'm, you know, with bated breath waiting for the next episode. I like having them pile up a little bit and then, and then watching. Yeah. I have been with shrinking 
watching each week, like excited to watch each new episode. Interesting. Each week. Yeah, that one for sure has fallen off for me. Way less of a priority than, say, Abbott Elementary or even Animal Control. Well, that's fair with Animal Control because it's so new that it's like, I think sometimes binging shows like that makes more sense because you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I just want to see a bunch of it and see if I like it or not. Yeah. And it's not so much each week. I'm so excited to watch Animal Control. Abbott, I am super excited each week, but I Matt doesn't watch that one. Uh, so and I just have to like find my little time in the week. But I'm always so excited to watch it. But shrinking I watch with Matt. So that's like whenever we have a night where we can just watch TV. It's like, all right, we're watching shrinking and we're watching ghosts. Abbott Elementary, I always get wrong the night. I always think it's gonna be Tuesday, but it's I can't watch it on Hulu until the next day. And so I always sit down on Tuesday being like, okay, here we go. And then realize that there's not a new episode. So I, then I get oh, further yeah. behind, um, which is not a good excuse. I should know by now, but that's kind of the the pattern that I've fallen into. No, I do that too. Especially with, I know I just said we watch ghosts and I don't think we've talked about ghosts before. Or if we have, like, you don't watch it. We haven't talked um, about and the like plot at all. Just the concept that it yeah, exists. Just one of my, one of my favorite current shows since season two, but it comes out I think it's like Thursday nights on CBS, CBS, I think, which means Fridays on Paramount Plus. And yeah, Thursday night, I'm always like, let's watch the new ghosts. And because I mm-hmm. we don't really watch like TV on Friday nights. That's usually we're like out to dinner or something. Yeah. And so then it's the next week until I can watch ghosts. But anyways, shrinking, I have been really, really enjoying and really excited to watch each week. I feel like it's just so happy and funny and clever. I'm constantly surprised by like the just the writing of it i know we're gonna have to I, there's just something in it for me that i that i'm not loving um oh yeah interesting I don't know if it's jason is it how unrealistic the teen daughter and <laughs> jason siegel's character like relationship is that's part of it but i also think jason siegel is playing the same ca- i thought maybe he would after the sad sack kind of situation started to evolve as the episodes went on i might enjoy it better but it feels a lot like he's just playing every other character he's ever played in a new context, which uh, Mm. is like a nitpicky thing to say, but I don't know. It's not my favorite. Also, I do agree. The writing is really clever. It just feels like there's no, it's, it's almost like, yeah, I don't, I don't appreciate the context as much. I don't think it's gelling as well. I haven't really put all of my thoughts to this because I haven't been watching it. So this is not as <laughs> an eloquent description. Wait, you said that like you were comparing it to something. Are you comparing it to Ted Lasso? Do you mean it's not gelling as well as Ted Lasso? Uh, I guess, I guess, yes. Just knowing how similar, like they've got similar writing rooms, similar creators, that kind of thing. Ted Lasso really worked for me because it is that clever writing and the story is cohesive and the character, everything makes sense together. Everything I was invested in, like all parts of the show, whereas shrinking, like I'm annoyed with the fact that there are so many different splintering offshoot, um, plots with the different characters i like all of the characters sort of again yeah the teen teen daughter is not my favorite but whatever she was in the beginning and now yeah things have gotten weird but it feels like for such a short for a show that's 30 minutes long i don't love how they bounce around to all the different to like harrison ford's plot and then to the um, other therapist who was the mother dead mother's best friend it feels like very disjointed you should catch up because i think it gets better okay like i think i've enjoyed the last episode or two more than and i liked it the whole time but i i think the teen daughter and 
Jason Segel's relationship is unrealistic in a way that irks me. <laughs> it's like too idealistic of like, oh, this is like fun dad who trusts his daughter and daughter is like a cool daughter who like, I don't know, is kind of a typical team, but also like is oddly mature in some ways and then oddly really immature in other ways. But I think that they're getting away from a plot that was really annoying me with her mm. and the like. A guy who was living in their house. Oh, yeah. They like sort of moved past that, thank God, because I hated that. Am I wrong in thinking I, – I think my gut feeling is that it would be better as a drama-length show. Maybe mm. – I don't know. Maybe. I don't have an issue with it. But I just love a 30-minute show. <laughs> it takes yeah. up less of my time. But I guess I see what you're saying. There are a lot of characters. I, that's why I think it's getting better as I keep watching it because they're sort of like settling into – I don't know. Like, there's more Harrison Ford and more Jessica Williams okay. now in a way that makes me feel like I understand their characters better. And when they do flip to them, I'm not like, oh, what's this little side plot? Okay. So I think I think it's getting better, but I don't know. Maybe it's just not for you. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll revisit, but right now I'm not caught up. <laughs> okay. We can move on to. Well, I wanted to briefly chat about Abbott Elementary. And for those who haven't caught up, on season two of Abbott Elementary, just skip forward by like five minutes because I'm about to spoil something. And this is as big of a spoiler warning as I can give it. And now I'm just going to say it. <laughs> they kissed. Wait, what episode, <laughs> what episode are you Wait, on? You've seen this, right? Yeah. What ep- I'm on teacher oh, appreciation. I thought, I thought you were about to say it. It was like three episodes ago. Yeah, okay, I just okay, really okay, wanted okay. to like make sure everyone was warned in case they're really not Got caught it. up. Yeah. I just caught up. Uh, I guess I'm not caught up by this week, but I'm caught up up to last week's. and. We just hadn't talked about it yet. I know. Yeah. You and I. We, so I I was surprised, honestly. That it happened, that it happened so in fast. season two. Yeah. I was I don't know. I'm used to like season three or four is like where we finally get it. Yeah. I'm wondering. I had the sinking not feel I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I was like, oh no, are they just following a Jim and Pam trajectory? Are they gonna kiss now? And then like one of them's gonna move schools or like one of them's gonna go to the charter school, you know, like the exact same, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it would feel a little like, okay, you just cookie cuttered this famous love story sitcom that we all (laughs) like know and love and yeah, are just sort of pasting it, copy and pasting it onto Abbott Elementary, which yeah, I hope, I hope it isn't. I don't think that. that's what they're doing. Yeah. But I guess I won't I don't know. But the fact that they didn't immediately get together, obviously, because they're in other relationships. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So they're not maybe speeding this up as much as I thought they were. But now with them having broken up, both broken up mm-hmm. with their various people, I do wonder. How many do you know how many episodes are in this second season? We're we're nearing the end. Uh, I think it's a full length. So like twenty two. And we're at like Oh, I guess maybe 17? not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're at. 17 or 18 maybe? Yeah, so not so not so far from the end, which I think we end the season with like them doing some doing something like going on a date <laughs> or something. like going to Bone Town. Um <laughs> the oh my gosh, restaurant those, folks. That scene made me laugh out loud. Me too. That was yeah, the main I one was that I dying. Both both iterations, both Janine yeah, with Mo and so funny. yeah. The one with her and Mo, like it made me laugh. But later, with when she was talking to Gregory about it, I was literally cackling. Yeah, knowing to hit that button a second time, that was pretty, uh, pretty genius. They're so good. I freaking love this show. 
I do like it. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. At the end of season two of The Office, that's when Jim and Pam kissed, you know? Like, yeah. So. But then, yeah, like you said, then they had obstacles to overcome. <laughs> they did indeed. I don't have that much to say about the most recent episode, though. Teacher appreciation. I thought it was, I liked the Sixers moment. I liked the fact that Barbara and Chessie, who I can't think of her as anything else but Chessie, uh, fought a little bit. They're like work wives, usually, you know. I like on that each they're, teams. yeah, making that relationship like more clear. Like they're mm-hmm. the two of them and their friendship developing that. Yeah. It's so funny. And then more about Janine and her sister. Yeah, good background. I like. Oh my it. gosh, we didn't even mention Ao Adaviri is yes, as Aisha. her sister. And have you seen The Bear? Now that I, I saw that, yeah. I don't know if. You, oh, you did watch yeah, yeah, yeah. it. I am so happy that she was in this. I think she was so funny in this. I loved all and the proportion I, jokes. <laughs> I don't think I've seen her in anything else besides The Bear. I don't know if she's been in anything else besides The Bear. Maybe that was like her first thing. But I know she's got a comedy that just premiered at South by Southwest, that pe- comedy movie that she's in that people are like raving over. So I'm glad she's doing more comedy because I think she was really good at it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think I've seen her in anything else uh, either. When she first popped up on Janine's phone in that one mm-hmm. episode a few a few episodes ago, I thought it was just like a hilarious guest little appearance. Cameo. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I didn't know that we were going to get like a whole episode with her. So I was thrilled. Me too. Okay. Now now for the, the big guns. I don't know. <laughs> now for Shall the we? main yes, event. move on to Daisy? Let's Wait, I've it. got a great segue into Daisy. Do it. Not a segue, just a just an opening line. Okay. <laughs> I've decided to not be a hater anymore. I love Daisy Jones. <laughs> what do you mean you've decided? Like the last couple of episodes have turned you around or you've yes, just made yes, the decision yes, yes. internally? Oh, well, I think both because I really did have to consciously be like, it's not the book. Watch what's in front of you because I don't know. I was re-listening to I was listening to our podcast from last week and I was like, okay, I'm being really nitpicky and it's all compared to the book. And just like <laughs> yeah. from our conversations, like I could tell like you liked it better because you hadn't read the book. And I was like, yeah. okay, so I'm going to consciously watch these episodes as if I know nothing about the book and just see how I feel. And I have some criticism still that I will say yeah, that I will go into. But as a whole, I had a lot of fun with these episodes. I enjoyed watching them. I'm glad. I like the vibes. I like definitely still have nitpicky stuff if I really want to. If I want to have my <laughs> I really stuff, I want have to be them. judgy. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. So, yes, I've decided to not be a hater. I, when I was editing that episode, and in the very beginning, you're like, I don't even remember. Or there's a, maybe a, a different podcast episode. You're like, I don't even remember the book. So, I don't think I will be in the same camp where I think like the book was better, blah, blah, blah. And in the very beginning of the episode where we talk about Daisy Jones, you were like, Yeah, my criticism aren't really book based. And by the end, you were like, Everything is different from the book and I hate it. And I was like, Oh, okay. yeah, I know. I don't know how I like really thought I'd forgotten it entirely. It lives but in But then you, the Jess. things that stuck with me were different enough that I was bothered. And yeah, which is fair. But you know what? I think more than that, it was just expectations. Mm. Like I remembered really liking the book. Not not love, like it was my favorite book ever, but I remember really enjoying it for certain aspects. And then having expectations for like years we've known. I read the book three years ago. Like we've known this was going to be a show since then. So having the expectations of like, not necessarily like casting it in my brain or like whatever, but just expecting – okay, I loved the book. I'm going to love the show. And like yeah. my expectations were just very, very high. And I think 
nothing probably would have lived up to that. And that's, that's fine. So that's why I just needed to sort of like divorce those two things from each other in my brain. And now I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it more. I felt a little silly. I was just like, I'm having fun. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's okay. Also, one of my friends who also read the book listened to the podcast episode and she was like, yeah, from hearing you guys talk about it, like we were being way too nitpicky and Jenny was right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I right. will I will be honest. I totally understand. Like I feel like that's a book to whatever adaptations. Th- those criticisms are totally valid. I, but it just, yeah, if you're willing to dislike a thing, then hold on to it. But if you're not, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just when some of the changes, I'm like, I truly don't understand why they did this. And that is not an answerable question and that's fine. That's when I really just have to take the show at face value and stop comparing it. There is an aspect of the book that that I can't talk about yet because it'll spoil things. So yeah, we'll come back to it. it when the show's over. Okay. Uh, but there's basically there's something that the show like was probably sort of incapable of replicating. And it's pretty pivotal to the book. So I think I was also struggling with that. And yeah, anyways, we'll talk about that when the show's over. Is it some kind of internal monologue that you can't get with the way that they're shooting it? Like that you can't feel the way that Billy – you can't know exactly how Billy is feeling or how Daisy is feeling? It's – I think I can can say this without spoiling anything. It's that the book is written as like a a script. So like people are speaking and it's like Daisy colon Hmm. says words on and on but it's via the interviews which they're doing in the show so the that part's done yeah the flashbacks come from their stories right and that's kind of clear in the show like there there's a there's somebody interviewing them and then the flashbacks are the manifestation of what they're saying to the interviewer mm-hmm. but in the book it's pretty clear by the end that like you can't they're all unreliable narrators right they could say whatever they want sure to in an interview like i could you, you know if i'm being interviewed about something that happened 20 years ago i can give whatever story i want yeah there's stories so in the book like the stories don't always don't always line up so you're not actually sure what is truth and the way in the show that it's the flashbacks are portrayed I feel like it's being portrayed as truth and there's like one story. I would agree with that. It seems like because there have been plenty of times where the interviews have had slightly different things that have happened and you've just seen the scene of what quote unquote actually happened if we're taking the flashbacks as truth. Like everything about when Daisy broke into her parents' house and then it you go back to the interviews and she says like, that's not true. That's ne- That never happened. That kind of thing. It is definitely, at least from my perspective, having never read the books, I was taking it as the unreliable portions are the flash forwards, the the interviews. Yeah. And we're seeing like as it actually happened in the flashbacks. But I can see right. that. So in yeah. the book, if because you, you can think about it there, without like seeing one version and you're just reading basically different people's accounts, mm. you don't know what the actual true story is. And yeah, so that's interesting. Anyway, that doesn't spoil things, but we'll we'll revisit this at the end because maybe they'll find a way to like tie that in, bring that into the show somehow. Yeah, yeah, I can see how that would have been a different and interesting show had they been able to figure out how to do that. But also I think it's such a little a key bit more difficult part of the book. Definitely don't know how they would have done it, but like I feel like that's that's part of like that's part of the core of what the book is. 
yeah. is that they're all telling their own story and it might not be true. You just don't know. Mm. One thing that I kind of annoyed me in this, in the last few episodes is how quickly, and I don't know if I just missed a time jump and was not paying attention because I'm just like good vibes watching this show. I'm not watching it with a fine tooth comb <laughs> or a magnifying glass, I guess would rather be a better way to say it. But the quickness with which Camilla jumps from pushing Billy to be in this band with Daisy and like inviting Daisy places and wanting her to be included and saying like, you'll be part of our family. We'll be part of yours. And then one and a half episodes later is like very jealous and nervous that their relation, like annoyed that Billy isn't sharing things with her anymore, that kind of thing. It felt rushed, like a rushed timeline. Like I understand the progression. I just, yeah. Pacing wise feel, felt weird. I don't know if that was the same for you because you knew what was happening or or not? I think I thought it was weird, but maybe for different reasons. I do think it's strange. It, and of course, I am. I go back to the book when I think about this stuff, mm. but she's not there in the book. Right. In the book, she, she's not with them in California. So it's different. And I think that the way they've decided to go about it is better in some ways and worse in others. And I think this is one of the places where I was like, no, this doesn't work. This is like, they haven't, they didn't figure this out in terms of like how to develop Camilla and Daisy's relationship with each other throughout this process. Because that, yeah, like you said, like they know each other, like Camilla is like friendly with her. She's like excited for her to join the band. And you get a little sense that she's, you know, putting all this trust in them. I think in one of the interviews, maybe she says like, trust is like the hardest thing you'll ever do. And I think in that we're supposed to think, you know, she's, she's really like going out on a limb. She's like maybe worried, but choosing not to be worried. And then as soon as she gets, I guess it's supposed to build over those like scenes where he's staying out late. He's not present when he's with her. He's on the phone with her late at night. I think the seeds are sort of planted. I do think the way she's like then like really sort of just like jealous and frustrated in the scene where she sort of like confronts him. I don't know that it was perfectly executed. I don't I wouldn't say that bothered me a lot though. It didn't bother me a lot, but it was one of the main things that I noticed. Other than that, I don't like my criticisms were very small like, "Oh, okay, but it, it, they don't bother me." Uh, because I'm, like I said, just here for a good time. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I have the flip side of that bothered me, and that's Daisy's reaction to basically what happens with her and Billy. And it's that she's – I think it's when she's like – she says to Billy, like, why is Camilla here? Which paints her as like the other woman and she's like she wants to take Billy away from Camilla. And I don't think that's the character. I don't think that's a, like that didn't make sense to me based on her behavior up to that point. Oh, also, interesting. the book, but I'm trying not to. Maybe it's just <laughs> maybe it's totally the book because that's not her character in the book. But like that's not who she is. I don't think that's who she is in the show either. Oh, in the TV show, that kind of made sense to me. I mean, okay, first of all, these latest three episodes – definitely paint her as a very much like less likable person. No, I think they did a much better job with that aspect of Daisy and like the depth of her character was definitely like built. Same with Billy. They did a 
they did a much better job in these episodes adding character to Billy and Daisy. Um, that being said, I thought her – so far in the show, we've seen her as possessive of things that are hers because she hasn't had that much to be possessive of. And I say that lightly because she obviously grew up wealthy, but – like didn't have that familial relationship. So it feels like she's like greedy with relationships sort of. And we've talked already about how she takes what she wants. And so it didn't seem that surprising to me that she was a little bit crazy, mad <laughs> that Billy brought Camilla to their shoot. Like clearly to you and me, we're like, that's irrational. They're married. After one kiss, he wasn't going to break up with his wife. But to her, I feel like I understood that it felt like a betrayal, even though like she's heightened emotion, pretty self-obsessed kind of thing. It made sense to me for her character, for her to be, to react that way. Okay. You know what? The more I think about it, the more I'm like, well, maybe it's because the book is written and this is on the spot thinking about it. I mean, but because the book is written the way it is, you don't actually know what's true and what's not. So Mm. maybe she was this like jealous other woman and we just don't get that from the book because she's talking about Yeah, why would you happened. want to paint yourself that way? But yeah, I mean, I don't think she's painted that way by by Billy or anyone. So they I don't want to keep talking about the book. <laughs> Anyways, I'm yeah, I'm glad it made sense to you because I was unsure that that made sense, but could just be too influenced by the book. Mm. I think I was confused because it seemed like she was just sort of this like free spirit, like in in the book, in the sorry, in the show, the way they're portraying her, free spirit, like doesn't really care about other people, doesn't want attachments. She thinks there's something. She thinks there's you know connection or sexual tension between her and Billy, so she's gonna sort of force him to act on it or whatever she does. But then I don't get the sense that she like wants to be in a relationship. So I'm like, why mm. is she mad that? Camilla's there. They have a family. So like I, yeah. and she likes Camilla. Like you said, like I feel like it's the same question of like why is Camilla being the way she is? To me, it seems Camilla like Daisy's Daisy just like manipulative. She like doesn't know what she wants in a relationship, but she feels entitled to certain things, especially the spark that she has creatively with Billy. And also there's that sexual tension that adds to that creative spark. So I think it yeah, I think she just wants what she wants and doesn't care if it's rational or not. <laughs> and also she she's on a lot of drugs kind of all the time. She's definitely self-medicating and also her free spirit moments may be more due to some relaxants. Uh, oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's definitely the vibe. Yeah, yeah, I guess she's just like unhinged and – A little, yeah. I've, I do like that we're getting more of her being unhinged in these episodes because you don't get those in episodes one through three. Uh, You don't get that from her character, and that's what was annoying me previously. So I'm glad that they've introduced that into her character. I do think that's mainly because in the first three episodes, she's for the most part kind of in an island to herself. We don't really get other people's views of her except our own. Like even that boyfriend, like I said, the one that she pushed into the pool, we don't see his side of the story at all. It's just like her reactions to him. So yeah, it doesn't seem unhinged. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did so much of a better job with both those characters. And then in the conversations that they have with each other, you get more about like their backstories and who they are and why they are the way they are. The conversation with them 
on the beach at night. Mm. That was very well done. I thought it was like a cute. And then I was like, yikes, the sexual tension. And then I was scared mm-hmm. because I didn't want them to do anything. <laughs> but no, it was good. It was just in general, these episodes were a lot better. But I do have some criticisms. Go for it. Okay. I still think the interviews are mostly terrible. Hmm. The interview clips. Some of them are fine. Some of them add to it. I think the ones that add to it are the ones that foreshadow. And that's it. Mm. Like the only ones they should have kept in are the foreshadowing ones. Like at the end of episode four, Camilla says, I referenced this earlier. She says, like, I chose to trust them. Did I make a mistake? You tell me. Amazing foreshadowing. Excellent clip. Also, Camilla Marone's a very good actress. I actually am loving her in this. That's what I said. The actress who plays Camilla. And I think maybe they should just have like interview clips at maybe the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode that Mm. do some sort of foreshadowing. And they should just have those because the ones that are interspersed are not doing it for me. Especially, I'm about to be a hater for a second. Oh, go. Riley Keough doing a great job as Daisy in the flashback scenes. A terrible job in the interview scenes. Who is that actress? It's like it's an entirely different actress. Do you have a specific one in mind that really irked you? Literally every single one of them. Every time she has an interview clip, I feel like she's reading a script. I feel like she doesn't know what her character is supposed to be. When she so like her character at like twenty years old is at this point like pretty defined. I think she's doing a good job playing Daisy. I don't like I'm I'm literally watching these interview scenes. Like what is she, what was the direction here? She's giving like I I don't even know. I'm I was literally trying to figure it out. I was like <laughs> what what was she told to be like? It's like almost like she's got a little attitude, but almost like she's like the school principal. That's like buttoned up and doesn't want to say anything. And I'm like, okay, maybe that makes sense. Maybe she's trying to like not be too honest. But I don't understand, first of all, that direction because I feel like her – she as a character is just like a little more I don't really give a fuck and like that's not coming through in these interviews. I feel like it's the opposite of that. And if it is that, I still feel like she could be doing a better job. I don't know. Every time she does one, I'm like, she just read a line like from a monitor. Hmm. Like that was like a cold read. It's just so jarring to me. I feel like her acting is otherwise so good. And so I'm just like, it has to be the directing, I guess. Hmm. And I'm just very confused by that. Yeah. I do, Again, like because I'm not <laughs> watching so carefully, I, I don't think any – I can kind of see what you mean. I guess maybe I she thought – She like stares directly into the camera lens too. And she's like when she gives her lines and she's like, I don't know. If I, I'm trying to think of – I can't think of a specific interview clip. But she just like stares and she just sort of like says the line. And like, yeah, has a little attitude. And, <laughs> you don't think no- it's – she's finally sober and she – so her mannerisms are off, but also she wants to control the narrative again. I'm thinking of the time where she asks – I can't remember who she was talking to, but oh, oh, the guy who was writing the story and he starts asking her questions. She's like, what did Billy say? Like she wants to come off in these interviews as just like a normal – like I don't know. She wants to be – the viewers to see her in a positive light. And so maybe that's why there's the weird sort of uptightness to it. I don't know. I, I'm saying this without th- really remembering what they're I like. I know. I, I really was trying not to nitpick stuff and it was still sticking out to me how I think that's fine. <laughs> odd it was. So yeah, I don't know what it was about it. 
I think it's it's just not done well. Mm. I don't know. And I, I think the fact that I can't even figure out like what she's supposed to be giving character-wise is something that's not working. Yeah. But another problem I have uh, to be – I'm going to be a hater again for a moment. <laughs> I think Sam Claflin was just so wrong as a choice for Billy. Ooh, do you have I an alternative? Actually, no. I, I, I mean, nobody like – jumps to mind i just think he he has a very okay singing voice it's fine he has very decent stage presence as a performer i just think he's much less talented than riley keogh when it comes to singing i think she stands out and he's like fine and i think she has much better like she's got a sparkle that he doesn't have and they keep saying like, oh, well, he's the front man. He's like, there's no one like Billy Dunn. They say that in a few episodes ago. And I don't see that in Sam Coughlin. Also, mm. sorry, he's really old and he did something weird to his teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, he's got like crazy veneers. I think that's why his like jaw looks odd. I don't know. Especially without the facial me. hair. And he looks so old. It's killing me. I said this last time. I, sorry. Yeah. I, I suspended that. I agreed with you last time and it's still true, but I sort of suspended that my disbelief for the last three episodes and it helped a little bit. Yeah. I hear what you're saying about the charisma of the front man. Again, I feel like the, a couple of the clips that we've seen more like more recently are when he was sort of on his downward spiral. So we didn't see his like Billy Dunn in his prime. It was more like Billy Dunn on his way to the rock bottom. Uh, and now he's sober Billy Dunn, so he's more subdued and Daisy gets to shine or wants to shine and like takes the shine. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's possible this is – it doesn't sound like your criticism is related to the book because you just want him to be a better singer, I guess, and a better Just performer. performer. Just like, yeah, better stage presence, better singing voice. I just – he's not terrible. It's It's not – Taking me out of it entirely. I just feel like there was a better choice. Uh, The thing that first came to mind was Aaron Tibet. Aaron Tibet. Oh, he would look too old. He's old, but stage presence-wise. Yes, but also, uh, would it give Broadway too much? (laughs) I don't know know that I've seen him do like rock and roll. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Aaron Tibet was most recently in Schmigadoon. Did you see that? I haven't, but I'm, I've been meaning and, to. And like, yeah. that's a Broadway parody. So I'm not saying like, oh, he just always is so Broadway. Like, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be Broadway in that. But I just feel like, yeah, he get. I don't know. He's oh, he just is I mean, very he's suited for Been on Broadway, Broadway his but whole he's a, life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he's really done any non-Broadway stuff that I can think of Broadway related or adjacent. But no, I don't know. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I think they could have found somebody that just like is good at rock and roll, good mm-hmm. singing. And also, it's like, like has a sparkle of a personality. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, like I said, not terrible. But I think Riley is actually doing a much better job than him. And maybe a better job than I gave her credit for in the last podcast episode that we did. But props to Riley. She's still not – her singing voice isn't amazing. I think it's good enough and it's better than Sam Claflin. But, okay, example. And I feel like you're about to ask me for an example. Or you weren't, but I'm going to give you one anyways. <laughs> when she's singing more fun to miss and she's supposed to sound like sort of bored, she's like not giving them the – not giving Billy the performance that he wants and he keeps saying like do it again, do it again, do it again. Mm-hmm. I don't think she sounded just 
like a little bored. I think she sounded bad. <laughs> like uh, you're trying to tell me that was just her like not putting it, not putting her all into it. But I was listening to her sing that what like 12 times in a row because he kept telling her to do it again and again and again. And I was like, uh, this is just bad. It doesn't sound good at all. First one was flat. And then he asked her to do it again. And then it just kept getting like more bored and annoyed and. Yeah. But like really flat. <laughs> like if I notice that it's like actually bad, it means it's probably actually worse than I'm even thinking because I'm not that attuned to like, oh, is it flat or whatever? Yeah. The only I, – I also, when listening, especially the first time that it happened, I was like, yikes. Yeah. Uh, but that was a whole scene about her not giving the performance they wanted. And then also I know. hearing Ultimately, it – I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. And hearing it in the song – did not bother me, even though it was like it's not totally on key. But I think that soft rock does that a lot, like slides up to the pitch or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't her know. final version of it was like up to my standards, whatever those are. It <laughs> those was just high. that when she was like supposed to sound bored, I was like, no, she also sounds bad. Like, why yeah. did they do it like this? Just like an odd decision, hmm. or that she isn't good enough to sound. I feel like you have to be a very talented singer to sound like slightly less good than normal but still like you know how to sing yeah it's a lot of hoops to I always think about Miranda sings when I think about this like she's mm. like clearly a very talented singer such that she can sound bad but in a way that's like funny and not like just purely oh yeah but I think it would have been all. weird if Riley Keough had sounded funny <laughs> so you no, know she definitely should not have been doing <laughs> Miranda sings I'm just saying like I think she could have sounded bored but still like she can sing and this sounded like, okay, so she wasn't putting her all into it, and then suddenly it was bad. Yeah. I'm going to send you – this isn't relevant for our listeners, I guess, but there's a Broadway singer who does board singing, and she or board belting, I think she calls it, mm. and she sings like Broadway songs, but she sounds really bored, and it's amazing. It's yeah, so good. Do. It's like <laughs> literally she's so talented at just like the energy is sapped, but she's still like hitting all the notes perfectly, and it's amazing. That's what you wanted from Daisy. Basically, I guess I'm just saying like I don't she, – I, she's still not as talented as I think she should be for this role. I think she's a good singer. She has a good voice. I'd listen to like a little singer-songwriter album of hers if she put one out. Like I think she's got an enjoyable voice. I don't think she's super believable as the front woman super rock star character of the most famous band in the world like she's supposed to be. And that's okay. It just took me out of it in that moment and like a couple other moments throughout. Just like I don't always love her singing voice, but she's a very talented performer. She gives – she has the sparkle and the stage presence Mm -hmm. and all of that. Do you have other bad things to say about (laughs) about the show that you've turned over a new leaf with? I know. I said I wasn't a hater. I just had to get this out. No. No. Overall, still enjoying. Those were my last few nitpicks. Um, I do like the acoustic version of Regret Me that she sang briefly better than the recorded version that you can listen to on Spotify. Hmm. I don't know if you've heard the actual one, but – No, but I'll have to go back and compare. I think the final version of it is not just not as good. I really liked when she sang the acoustic version. Mm. Also, it was like edgy because she was like mad. And I liked mm. that. 
You go, Riley. Uh, those are all my thoughts. What about you? I don't have very many either. I'm willing to move over to you because I did actually write a lot of thoughts. I feel like you was the kind of show where as the episodes happen, you're like, oh, I need to tell someone about this and like tell someone my thoughts about this scene. Interesting. Um, wow. Why? I wrote zero notes. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So, okay. Just to formally transition us, we're talking about you, season four, part two. So spoilers ahead for episodes what is it, like six through 10? I think so, yeah. Five or six through 10. All right, you kick us off then. All right, I don't know if you remember this. This is a very specific. I wrote oof in big letters. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my frenemy. Oh, I hated that. Oh, yes. it's so it bad. It stuck out to me. Don't worry. I didn't write a note, but I did. He says it twice, I'm pretty sure. Or no, you know what it was? It was like a previously on you. And then I had to listen to it again. And I was like, please get that away from me. I don't know what that was supposed to be because I feel like Joe is supposed to be somewhat eloquent or maybe this was the unraveling of his, like he's not actually as smart as he thinks he is kind of thing. Um, Normally his internal narration is more eloquent. I'll give you that. But the enemy of my enemy is my frenemy. Sounds like a 13 year old wrote that in a journal. Um, It was bad. So, okay, that was – Are we going note by note or should we just address the elephant in the room? Oh, the the twist? (laughs) The twist. There were a couple twists. Well, the main twist. Did you know that Reese was in his head? Uh, I mean, not until he killed Reese and Reese was like, I don't know who you are. So you didn't guess it? No. Oh, I thought maybe you would have. No, no, no. I actually saw it on TikTok. Like a mm. bunch of people on TikTok after part one came out were theorizing that it was a figment of Joe's imagination. And just didn't put that much thought into I it. I think I didn't <laughs> believe it, but then although when you it made sense when it was the twist. Yeah, and when we were talking about the last episode and the the uh, teaser for the upcoming part, whatever. I don't, don't know what I'm saying. For the last couple of episodes and yeah. love was in it, and you were like, I think it's a figment of yes. his imagination. As the first episode of part two was playing i did have that in the back of my mind but i wasn't mm. yeah um well i was so sure that was a figment of his imagination because right. i just didn't think ugh, i didn't think the show's like so crazy and unhinged and soapy or whatever that she would be alive. that they would bring her back and oh. she'd be alive i yeah. do think i still thought maybe that we were just gonna like learn more about reese as a character and why he was killing people and like that we were going to get that development and not that it was going to end up being, oh, it's all – I mean, they did – it's Fight Club. Like, they did Fight Club. Mm-hmm. I did not expect them to do Fight Club. No, nor did I. And it's weird because I still don't know. I mean, the whole show is from his perspective and he's clearly an unreliable narrator if all of the things that happened are truly – I guess that it took me a little bit out of it when we went to Nadia and her boyfriend whose name I can't remember at all. It's like Edward or something. Yeah, whenever there are parts of the show that Joe's not included in, I'm a little wondering who well, – is this just how it happened? Like, Is he not part of this anymore? I don't really – are we supposed to think he's watching it all? Um, oh, I never thought about that before. I get the sense that we're seeing real life for the most part. And do you see how that's just, confusing though? Yeah, no, now it's confusing. When you say that, yeah. Because how do you know which perspective you're in, I guess? Anyway, um, so yeah, definitely twist. I actually did not see that coming. It made sense a little bit. I mean, they did. I did not love that they heavy-handedly walked us through 
every moment that they were together, the fact that no one else was talking to them. Yeah, I I think they could have done without that. I think shows and movies that do Fight Club often don't go back and show Mm. you everything. And it makes me want to go back and watch it Mm. to see those moments. Yeah. I don't know if they were trying to like overcompensate for that desire. And they're like, just don't worry, we'll do it for you. But uh, I did. Yeah, I didn't need that. Yeah, it felt like I the writers them. being like, see, we were clever. <laughs> like, we did yeah. it. But you know what I did like about the twist is that it sort of undid people's criticism, in my opinion. I liked the first half of season four, mm-hmm. but I understood people's criticism of like, why is this a murder mystery suddenly? Why is Joe now the hero? He's still a bad guy. Why is the show trying to make us like him? And and then just sort of the like, why was it so obvious that it was Reese? Like when it when it was unveiled that it was Reese, I was like, we even talked about this. I was like, yep. okay. I mean, that was too obvious. Yeah. And that bothered me a little bit. Actually, I laughed in the first intro to – in the first episode of this part, in the little intro, Joe is narrating what happened in the previous like four episodes basically. And he in the part where he says like Reese ended up being the killer or like I discovered that Reese was the killer he says I know I know don't quit my day job and I was like oh he's he's like the show's roasting itself on how Mm. obvious that uh, like reveal ended up being and I thought that was funny only to find that yeah yeah, they're not roasting themselves like the point is that it was obvious because it wasn't real or whatever so I like that it I like the twist for that reason like I think it makes part one better me too. Yeah, I agree. I I also thought the twist of Kate's dad, his involvement in things was decent. And I say twist, but really just the fact that at the time when you don't know that Reese isn't a killer, you think now two people are just trying to get Joe to kill the other when really it's just him, you know, being a murderer, <laughs> like being ready to kill whoever's closest to him and in his way. Um I also wrote down underneath that note, why does Joe walk like that? Uh, I don't know. I've seen what people scene? make fun of his running before. I didn't notice that he walked funny. His arms are like further out from his side than usual. I can't yeah, explain just it. Badly. Sorry, Penn. Yeah, sorry, Penn. Although in Easy A, you were cool, you were suave. I didn't think – maybe that's a serial killer walk. Um, Your go-to is Easy A. He was in Gossip Girl for like 12 years. Yeah, but I don't I don't acknowledge Gossip Girl. Okay, I wrote down – I don't know if there's something you have before this. I had episode seven. Prior to us finding out that he was definitely hallucinating, I wrote, is Joe hallucinating everything to make himself feel like a victim? And then that happened. But I didn't I didn't put two and two together. I was like, oh, he's clearly hallucinating things, but didn't for some reason think that the oh, twist was going to be that. He was. That's funny. Yeah, that's a little no, bit that, on me. It reminds me though that I I didn't love the heavy handedness of let's go back and show you all the times that he was just talking to Reese. But I did like, as I sort of always do with this show, I like when they psychoanalyze people, and I like when they psychoanalyzed Joe to explain basically Reese is all the bad parts of you and he gave you the ability to still think that you're saving people Mm. like his complex about needing to only doing bad things. If he's doing it in the name of like saving someone that he cares about Mm -hmm. or just people in general, I liked that explanation because I think it made a lot of sense. And I think, I don't know, I think they do a good job with the psychology in the show, which just leads me to my ultimate point of, I 
think this show is smarter than people give it credit for in general. Yeah. Do people not think that it's... Oh, maybe it's just me. I don't know if I've ever actually heard anyone say this, but before I watched the show, because I binged all the like three seasons ahead of this one, like last month, I had not watched this show for years because I thought it was like a dumb, soapy, Mm. like Desperate Housewives. It's a little soapy, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. It's definitely unrealistic and over the top, but I don't Mm -hmm. think it's trashy in the way that I thought it was going to be. I think they do a good job of mixing the trashiness with, yeah, like you're saying, some actual intelligent psychoanalysis and also, yeah, just some interesting twists and, and things like that. The twists are well it's done good, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, and we can go back to your notes after I say this because I'm probably jumping ahead. I don't mm. love how everything is always like super neatly wrapped up in a bow and he always gets away for like no, no. repercussions. No, it makes the show feel older. If that makes any sense. It seems as though a lot of older shows, people were fine with it being a a little less realistic. And Mm. I mean, usually it's the hero that like wraps everything up well. And they like, I don't know, like the Scooby-Doo gang always finds the killer and it's always someone in a mat. Like, you know, it's just like a formula kind of thing. It feels like they're following a convoluted formula with you. But yeah, it always is sort of like neatly wrapped in a bow. Uh, I don't know. I think yeah. the, it sometimes is fine. Like, I honestly didn't – I wasn't super bothered by it at the end of season three, even though it was so unrealistic that he would have gotten away. And, like, mm-hmm. the two people – I can't remember their names now. The couple that, like, was in the box would have then just, like, become TED Talk speakers about their time in the box. Mm-hmm. And, like, nothing bad bounced back to Joe and he got away. But in this season, I was bothered most by – the Tom Lockwood death. Like he goes on and on to himself, who's Reese, but really himself, about how hard it'll be to kill this guy because he's mm-hmm. like Elon Musk, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he just kills him, like very easily gets away also, with it, frames that guy. Everyone believes him. Yeah, Please. sorry. Is he like a master jujitsu black belt, whatever? Because the security guard it's of the wealthiest man in the world is just snuck up on? Like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> It sort of reminds me of this is maybe too niche of a reference for you. Have you seen Fast and Furious, the movies? Uh, I think I've seen the first one. I've seen all of them. And (laughs) (laughs) what strikes me about those movies is it goes from like in the first one, they're just doing these little carjackings basically. And by Mm -hmm. the last one or the most recent one, they're like in space, like (laughs) taking down bad guys in like in literally outer space. So it's quite the escalation. And I Mm -hmm. think. In you, it's the same thing to draw an odd parallel. Like in the first season, he's like, I could barely kill people. I don't know if I want to kill people. He's like vomiting after he accidentally like kills people. I think people. that was all fake too. I don't know. I think we because were supposed we found- to believe this progression that he's like now a super killer and I just don't believe it. But I – but in the first season – for the most part, yeah, you think these are the first people he's ever killed. And then his old girlfriend comes back hmm. and r- reveals that True. he's been a bad dude all along. Yeah. I don't but know. But he like As- – he buries Candace and she gets out. So like he didn't – I think we're supposed to believe his violence really escalated. And now he's able to just like stab people and saw people up, cut them into tiny pieces, like et cetera, and that he's totally fine with it. 
Yeah. Although, as I say that, maybe the his psyche splintering means he's not okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's probably how they're trying to explain it. It's like he's gotten too unhinged even for himself and has needed to create this secondary persona to deal with it. I thought sort of – yeah, this season did a lot for, I think – going like making us revisit the past seasons and realize I think it's really easy to forget that Joe is an unreliable narrator like you just mentioned like the fact that we see him throwing up after killing people or that he seems to regret it or like is having a hard time doing it like that's all him that's all his perspective um and I know that we've talked about how Penn Bagley has been a little nervous about people warming up to a serial killer and liking his character too much and it does seem like at least this episode or this season did a slightly better job at being like no 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 he's crazy and he's a bad dude <laughs> like don't let his charm fool you you may be next not necessarily that last part but um yeah <laughs> i <laughs> yeah i do think they did a better job with that it's funny because it's complete 180 from part one where everyone was like why are we liking him this is trash and mm-hmm. actually i wonder how many people quit this season they probably shouldn't have split it that's a separate conversation but mm, i don't yeah. i don't really think they should have split it into yeah i ha- okay i have a couple other notes unless we want to continue along this nope go ahead path. i only have one so, more when you're done um i wrote if he kills nadia i'm gonna be so pissed that was pretty soon into the series into the part i'm still pissed that she's I think she was, in she jail was- like irrelevant to me. I it just seemed like she didn't deserve it, you know? Yeah. None but of them she was deserve also it. Like a little annoying. <laughs> Not that she deserved to get thrown in jail or whatever, but like just keep your thoughts to yourself. Be a student. Why are you being a little detective investigator? Because she freak? almost because she she got Marianne out. I think that's worthy no, of okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying she's not worthy of not going to jail. She's a that was know, another probably, good twist. Probably a good person. I yeah. did like that twist. And I'm so glad Marianne's story ended the way it did. Like, Me too. Like, somebody needs some happiness. Yeah, true thing. Yeah, true I thing. I have a <laughs> note about fun. Nadia since you brought her up, though. Yep. I think the part where Edward – like, she's, like, talking to Edward, whatever his name is, her boyfriend about Joe and yeah. says – is so adamant that they can't call the police because he always gets away. I'm like, yes, but what's the downside of calling the police? I think that was so unrealistic that she would be against involving the police. Yeah, her only slightly ra- – the the rationalization she tried to use was that he would see the police sniffing around him and get uh, tipped off earlier that he was in trouble like the police yeah. wouldn't, I don't know. Like maybe. Yeah, and she was like, we need concrete evidence before we go to them. So like, I guess, but no, I don't think so. I think you're a 20-year-old college student. You are like pretty Who sure that this guy your is professor killing yeah. is killing people. I think you go to the police. Yeah. I also, okay, next note was they used the word erotic maniac a lot. It just kind of kept popping up. And that was fine, but it felt, <laughs> it felt like a lot. They were really trying to teach us what this word meant in this season of television. <laughs> if, if that's actually what it means, which it probably is, because I can't imagine they made that up, then like, I don't know. I'm happy to have learned a new word. Sure. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I guess, I guess Joe 
is an erotomaniac. He also seems potentially schizophrenic, at least in this season. And also like a, like, oh, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of levels to Joe, it feels like. Yes. They haven't really delved into or like really revealed like what his issues are. I think we're sort of supposed to be like piecing together mm-hmm. what they are. And I think in past seasons, it was just like, oh, he is sad little orphan boy who was abandoned. He's got all this trauma and now he's like a crazy killer stalker. But there's clearly more to it because that never really made sense. And I'm glad they're making him like more psychologically damaged, mentally ill, whatever. I think it just makes more sense than just being like, oh, his trauma made him this way. I do think the first season was the only one that I really believed that he could have gotten the girl. Every season since that first season, I've been confused as to why anyone falls for a dude this creepy. He just stares. Yeah. No, I do think this one especially, the like Kate liking him I don't didn't make any sense and came out of nowhere. And I Kate was someone... like, cool. Like she wouldn't like this well, random little Well, she seems a little on. psycho too though. When we get to the end, he told her all the people that he killed and she was like, I got you. Did she? I actually was left with that question. Did did he explain that he killed people? Because he, it ended with him just being like, "My real name's Joe," but he doesn't say Joe Goldberg, and then they don't continue it to show us if he told her or not. That's true. I mean, clearly she knows that he killed Reese for her dad, Um, which like. She could just chalk up to like, okay, he's trying to like do what my dad says and maybe it was my dad's influence and actually it's my dad's fault. Right. That's true. I sort of thought she's smart enough to not think that love tried to kill him and he got away, but maybe that's Does he know about – does she know about love? Yeah. Then when they're interviewing um, the two of them later, oh, right, they right, bring right, it right, up. Right. So she ends up knowing who he is. I, mm-hmm. I don't think she knows the extent of it. I think she Maybe. thinks this just all came back to me. So I think she thinks what his story is is true, that he was like abused by love and concocted this story to get away. I think that's the most realistic explanation for why she would still be with him. And probably next season is like her finding out that he's actually bad and then he'll kill her. That's probably season five. I uh, Yeah, I saw someone do an edit of the scenes that he had with Kate where they cut out his inner monologue and it's just her asking a question and him staring at her for a beat or two too long and then answering. (laughs) It always Um, makes me laugh when somebody calls him out on that. They're like, hello, where'd you go? mm -hmm. Because I never think about it otherwise. But yeah, that would be super weird. Yeah. And very creepy. Very creepy. He definitely gives creepy vibes. You're right. Season one was like the only one where it was maybe believable that he was like normal. No, you know what? I sort of saw – I saw it with love also. Like he's just working at that store. That seemed sure, like a natural like flirtationship. I suppose, but love also turned out to be a little wacky, you know? So who? how much – I don't know. Um, yeah, I think I, that's mainly that I ha- all I had. I did write down also not, not so much about you, but about – I think a lot of people have been – having the conversation that returning to a weekly show, um, the the weekly releases that a lot of streaming services have been doing has been nice. And I agree for a lot of things. I do think there's something about the good old Netflix binge that is also nice. Like having all of these episodes of you 
to watch in a row. There's there's sometimes where I do enjoy that. I think this is a show that is easy to binge. And they, I, I don't know that they should have split it into two parts because I think people gave up on the first part and now they're not going to try the second part. Whereas if all the 10 episodes have been out at once, maybe they would have just stuck through it. And as soon as you get to episode like six, it get it's better. Yeah. I mean, and that's just my my opinion is that it's better in the second part. I don't think anybody out there says that it's that the first part is better than the second part, but I do know some people just like did not like this season at all. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. I think it should have been released as one. Um, but that doesn't it didn't I, I binged the first part and I binged the second part just because it's yeah, like you said, it's easy to binge. And also, I mean, Netflix makes that possible. Yeah, I also did. I think the only reason I liked it being split into two parts is because I personally had a break uh, and yeah, I had a lot of fair. other things to watch. So I was like, I get stressed when they release 10 episodes at once, but it's certainly a bingeable show. I think the c- contrast would be like Stranger Things should definitely be weekly. Oh, yeah. And they released that in two parts and that doesn't make sense. Like I'm not going to sit there and watch like eight hours yeah, more they than need that because do- all those episodes were so long. They need to do a better job of actually looking at the show and deciding what the release uh, status is because – Well, I and Netflix w- hasn't done a weekly. Yet. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what would make them do that or why they refuse to, but something's wrong with the way they're releasing things. Well, not everything. That's my point is that they still do have there, – there's a good – there's a like an addictive Netflix show where the binge works. But not all of their content is like that anymore. So I do think they need to adjust and have some things maybe released weekly and some things released in bulk. Um, I don't know if that goes against their ethos. I, yeah, I mean, probably I don't know not. Why. But I don't know why yeah. they stuck like that. that Prime was all I also had for has you. like randomly summer. Their schedules are all over the place. Like Daisy being like three, three, two, and two. Some shows yeah. being weekly. Some being all at once. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, But yeah, that is all I had as well. So I think we can wrap things up. Agreed. Yeah, I we have something. I think we already have scheduled what we're going to talk about. In Another check-in. There's a few Another shows check-in. that come out um, this Friday, but Ted Lasso comes out today. So I think the next time people will hear from us, we'll be catching up on the first two episodes of Ted Lasso. So check us out next week for that. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 